This podcast is being brought to you by Leftover Energy, LLC. I am service. I am uplift. I have made it very clear I'm a big fan of yours. You know what I'm saying? I've watched you from afar. I think, uh, you know, I just really think you the bee's knees, man. Like, you are really uh, doing and putting in motion things that a lot of people are talking about. How? Dr. Anthony C. Hood. What's the C stand for? C stands for Carl. Dr. Anthony Carl Hood. Because he said while we were chatting, get the C in there. You know what I mean? Put some speck on my name. Put some speck on it. (laughs) Let me say it one more time. (laughs) Dr. Anthony C. Hood serves as Executive Vice President and Chief Diversity equity, and inclusion officer for First Horizon Bank. Prior to his role, he served as the director of civic innovation in the office of the president at UAB, as well as an associate professor of management in the Collette School of Business. An electrical engineer by training, Dr. Hood enjoyed a 10-year career with Bell South and AT&T, supporting startup telecom companies in the firm's wholesale division. He was honored with the Pinnacle Award, the company's highest honor for productivity and leadership. Man, I'm sorry. I'm reading all of this, boss. He left AT&T to pursue his Ph.D. full-time at the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Since completing his Ph.D. in only three years, he has completed studies at Harvard Business School, Stanford, and the Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. Hood received his undergrad and MBA from UAB. Go Blazers. (laughs) In 2019, Dr. Hood was honored by the UAB Alumni Association with the prestigious Distinguished Alumni Award. Dr. Hood is a board member of the of a number of organizations, including the Birmingham Education Foundation, Urban Impact, the Woodlawn Foundation, and the Housing Authority of the Birmingham District. A social entrepreneur and philanthropist, Dr. Hood has received a number of awards for his community-based efforts, including the Power of Leadership Award from Alabama Power Company, the Community Game Changer Award from the Vulcans Community Awards, and the Dr. A.G. Gaston Award from the A.G. Gaston Business Institute. Dr. Anthony Carl Hood, tell me a joke. Alabama fan and an Auburn fan gets into an argument. Alabama fan says, I'm glad that athletes can start getting paid now for playing sports. Auburn fan says, I don't think it's right because everybody can't get paid. Alabama fan says, of course, everybody can get paid. He's like, nuh-uh. What about the Tennessee Volunteers? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. We like that one. 
That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good file one. That one away? Okay. <laughs> we gonna file that one away. I'll be here all week. All weekend, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Come see me. All right, my turn. What do you get from a pampered cow? I don't know. What do you get from a pampered cow? Spoiled milk. <laughs> 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 I came with two. That's okay. And that that was from Erica Bass. And I take man, she has the best corny jokes ever. <laughs> well, look here, man. Um, like I was telling you before we came on, this is a first because as I'm getting ready for season two, I'm wanting to expand into not just people that I've known for a long time. But I want to add some people that I haven't known for a very long time, but of whom I'm a huge fan of. And you are one of them. Yeah. Well, first of all, man, I, I really appreciate it. Like you said, we really haven't spent a lot of time together. Yeah. We've been in a lot of the same rooms together. Yeah. Like everybody's been on your podcast. And I, <laughs> like, I know all these folks. We rock with the same people. It's just yeah. crazy we hadn't chopped it up a lot. And I think I went to high school with your sister at Ramsey. Yeah. You know, so uh, so it's just an honor, man. Honor and privilege. Man, it's here. all mine. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, everybody know I'm from the west side, the best side. And I, I rep that. <laughs> all day long. All yes, day. sir. All day. So uh, I was actually born on 19th Street in Inslee at, at okay. the old Holy Family Hospital. Yeah. So we we used to live uh, right outside the brickyard. Okay. I used to think that we lived in the brickyard until my mama corrected me years, <laughs> a few years ago. It's like, right. we didn't live in the projects. Right. We lived in some apartments that were right next to the projects. <laughs> See, th- that's how I was. Yeah. My family didn't grow up in Loveman. Well, my parents didn't move in Loveman Village. They lived. They bought an well, rented an apartment in Montevallo Gardens, right next door. Mm-hmm. So same, same thing, same kind yeah. of situation. So uh, my dad lived in Wylam. Okay, that's where most of all of my relatives lived in Wylam. Gotcha. So I was between my mom's house, my dad's house. My mom moved to Wylam uh, when I was in first grade, and so. I've been on the west side my whole life. Okay. Now I live in the Bush Hills neighborhood. My, I, I went to Ramsey. Yeah. And so I rode the bus all four years yeah. from Wylam to Ramsey. And part of our bus route would come up Bush Boulevard. And I would always say, like, man, I'm going to live in this neighborhood my day. I'm so glad you transitioned into that perfectly because I wanted you to talk about you've been posting the houses there mm-hmm. that you've been watching for years. Mm-hmm. And the prices that they were almost a steal and what they're selling for now. Mm-hmm. And you're just a huge advocate for, for the area. I'm an advocate for the area for a lot of different reasons. One, it's just beautiful over there. Yeah. You know, the city yeah. maintains Bush Boulevard. So we got beautiful crepe myrtles and roses all over the place. Most of the neighbors over there are homeowners. Yeah. And so most people keep their yards up. We do have a lot of vacant houses. But like every block now... Every block, there's a house being renovated. Yeah. And I first bought in that neighborhood in 2003. Okay. First house I bought was $40,000. Yeah. And then the house next door to me came for sale. I paid like thirty five for it. And then the house behind me came up for sale. I paid forty for it. And I just started going block by block like, man, I need to buy these houses. So it got to a place where I really couldn't do it. So I started asking my friends like, hey, man, y'all need to come buy some of these houses. Because most of my friends are moving out to Alabaster and yeah. Trustville. And 
you know, I used to drive a lot of old school cars. I'm like, man, I got to check my oil and my water just to drive out to your house. I had Maylene. Like, <laughs> right. but you from West End. Like, <laughs> right. Bro, like right. come buy some property over here. So yeah. I've been advocating for the neighborhood ever since I moved over there in 2003. Yeah. Fast forward, now houses are selling for... Three hundred thousand. It's a house on the contract right now. It was on the market for three ninety nine. I don't know how much it's ultimately going to sell for. You know, a lot of these houses are selling for above, above asking, price. asking price, right? And so now everybody, you know, is kind of like, oh man, how did you get onto this? Like, I, I didn't have any secret information, it's right? Not like, you know, I just had some inside information. I just really appreciate the neighborhood because it's just a good business investment. And yeah. so because I've been able to buy so cheap over there. Mm-hmm. I've been able to take a lot of my income and like pay off my debts, try to save up for my kids' college and things like that. Things I probably would not have been able to do yeah. had I moved out to the suburbs. That's awesome. That really is awesome. Now, when you um I, I was surprised, as a matter of fact, in reading your bio that you're at a bank now. Mm-hmm. Because I was used to you being in the academic arena. Mm-hmm. What what was the transition there? Had you do you feel you had hit all your goals or you know how did that come about? Man, how I did was, that change? I was just fine at UAB. Yeah, you know I had earned tenure, which first and foremost, you know when you think about people in general, there are not a lot of people that graduate from college. Correct. Very few going to get a master's degree. Correct. Even fewer get a doctorate degree. Right. And you think about the number of people who are people of color. Right. It's a very small number of folks. Yeah. And then to go on and get tenure. Not just, and and go in order of that. You go from associate Mm -hmm. professor. Mm Mm-hmm. To full professor. Right. You start I mean, as an assistant, then assistant. go to associate, Dave. and then to full. Yeah. So I went from assistant, got promoted to associate, got tenure, and then tenure essentially means you got a job for life. Yeah. Right? And you can really mail it in after that if you wanted to. Right. Uh, of course, I didn't. Right. Uh, and then I got opportunity, you know, the, the president asked me to uh, serve in his administration being a director of civic innovation for the university, mm-hmm. which is essentially, you know, serving as community engagement and external affairs, which... I really loved. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I went into academia. Yeah. And to yeah. be a professor because I really wanted to help the startup community. I really wanted to help people of color start, grow, and scale businesses. So that's why I got my PhD. So my PhD is in entrepreneurship. <clears throat> and that's what I taught was entrepreneurship. I did research on entrepreneurship, did research on innovation, got that role in the president's office, and I was just as happy I mean, engaging you, with the business community, good. serving on panels. And Lo and behold, a, a friend of mine who was on on the board of this company, First Horizon Bank, said, hey, we got a position open for a chief diversity officer. Would you be interested? You know, because, you know, it's a, it's a position open. And I never really saw myself as a diversity officer. Mm-hmm. But when I really look back on it, a lot of what I had been doing at UAB, a lot of things I was doing in my community, was just really advocating for women, people of color, and other disadvantaged businesses. So... <clears throat> they helped me realize that I've been doing diversity, equity, inclusion work all along. I just didn't call it that. Right. So, um, so I applied for the job. One interview led to another, led to twelve interviews, and they say, you know, I'm at Memphis in in the corporate boardroom, and getting an offer to leave UAB and and come do this. So, my friends who are academics was like, "Bro, you crazy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody walks away from a tenure position." But I tell you this, man. I was also teaching strategic management. That was like my core class. And when you're teaching strategic management, you're really teaching it from the perspective of if you are in the C-suite of a company, this is how you run a company. 
all the cases that we did were like publicly traded companies, Walmart, Costco, Netflix, and things like that. But man, I always felt like an imposter. Wow. Because I had I had done a lot of work. I had worked for Bell South. I had worked for AT and T. Had worked for AIG. I had worked for AmSouth Bank back in the day. Like most of my jobs had been with large companies, but I'd never served in the C suite, mm-hmm. running a company, mm-hmm. being in a decision making role. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to teach MBAs and undergrads something that I'd never actually done before. So that was the other thing that I thought about. I was like, man, this is an opportunity for me to actually do the thing that I've been teaching for the last 10 to 12 years. And so I jumped at the opportunity. Man, when we take this break right now, we're going to talk about the fact that I just took strategic management. So I'm going to see you if you know what you took. <laughs> no, I just, gradu- I, just got, I just graduated from Miles. And yeah. one of my last classes was strategic management. That's what management. we call the capstone course. Oh, okay. You have typically have to be in the last semester to gotcha. take the course. Because it's, in- it's intended to integrate everything that you've learned That's- since you've been in the school. You sound just like Mrs. Angela, Ms. Angela Williams. Do you hear him? He just he said everything that you've said in class, so he must know what he's talking about. Fun fact: me, me and Angela used to work together at the phone company. Get out of here, <laughs> no, bro! Me and, me and Angela go way back. Man, that's one and of my, my neighbor. favorite teachers. I used to live over in Fair Oaks, so she lived right around the corner from me. Well, you might know what you're talking about might, then, if, if you know her, if you run it with her. <laughs> So anyway, when we get back, we're going to ask you about your charities and we're going to check, we're going to get you to choose this or that. All right. Hey, this is Dr. Cree. I am a board certified family medicine physician and I'm the owner of Brownstone Healthcare, where our mission is to take care of the everyday person who's overwhelmed and overworked and looking to live a healthy, happy and whole life. We have a direct primary care service where you can pay $70 a month to have all access to meet your physician, have discounted labs, and imaging if needed. So you'd pay the $70 a month no matter if you're insured, underinsured, or have no insurance at all. Call us at 205-202-5650 or go ahead on the roll today at www.brownstonehealthcare.com. When people want to contact you, how can they do that? Anthony C. Hood, everywhere. That's my brand, Anthony C. Hood. Now, check this out. If you send him an email or a text message, it sends you, it says, I'm not here to check out what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Man. I'm doing so much. Uh, <laughs> my wife asks me that all the time too. Like, you know, I serve on a lot of boards. She's like, "Yeah, how much you get paid for these boards?" I'm like, "Nothing." <laughs> right. So, outside of my work at First Horizon, uh, I have the privilege and the honor of serving as the chairman of the Housing Authority of the Birmingham District, the mm-hmm. largest public housing agency in the state. Um, that's something I, I really cherish. That opportunity. This was a position that we were all positions are appointed by the mayor. So, right. Mayor Wilson appointed me and. DG Pantazas a couple years ago, and now I'm the chair. DG Pantazas is the vice chair. Yeah. Um, Be sure you tell him I said hello. I will. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. I will. I talk to him almost every day, it seems like. Yeah. Um, hence, it's not my real job, but I right. put a lot of energy into it. So right. that uh, urban impact is something that's you know near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time here in the Civil Rights District. Uh, I became a mason right here at the Prince Hall Temple. and spent- What large? 
Uh, St. John's, 148A. Hold your head up when you say that. All right. I shall. <laughs> I'm just hailing from Geometry 410. Uh, okay, 410. Yeah, yeah. I spent a few nights at 410, too. A box of chicken. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and um, when people look for you on social media, how do they find you? Anthony C. Hood. Uh, I'm typically on LinkedIn. That's my platform of choice. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn is where you can mostly find me. Well, see, I'm not on LinkedIn big time. I like to follow you on Instagram. Okay. And I told you that was a beautiful picture you took at the Regions yeah. the other day with the sun in the background and everything. I'm, I'm a fool with them filters, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, you... When I post is those that, pictures of my neighborhood, folks are like, man, the grass just don't seem this green when it, I get over is that is that uh, your phone or are you using a camera? Oh, that's my phone. That's an iPhone. Man, you got to teach me how to use some talk, more filters and all that, that kind of thing, man. Yeah, it absolutely. It does make a difference. <laughs> your pictures be fat. <laughs> so um, tell me, let's, let's dig deep as far as the housing is authority is concerned. I mm-hmm. told you that I wanted you to come on and talk about it from a couple of different perspectives. One, me, mm-hmm. not living in the housing uh, community, having never lived in a housing community, mm-hmm. not by, why would it matter to me, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I want you to do is tell people why they need to care about what's going on in our housing communities. And then number two, I'd love to hear about your service because there are other young, upwardly mobile, ambitious people out there that are taking their talents and going home. And I just respect you so much, like your wife said, because you give so much back. Mm -hmm. And so I know people like you need some more laborers out there. So tell us what's going on. Yeah, man, when you think about the housing authority, you know, of course we have communities. We have 14 housing communities. We don't call them projects. But right. They're housing communities. Um, but in addition to the housing communities, we have housing choice vouchers, otherwise known as Section 8. Mm-hmm. Man, we service well over 10,000, 12,000 people um, across this city. Wow. That are, you know, in some way affiliated with us, that are clients right. uh, of our authority. But then you think about all the different development projects that we have going on. We just renovated, uh, used to be Loveman Village, now the right. village of Titusville. Right. Everybody knows about Southtown, what we're doing over there. Mm-hmm. Those are catalytic projects. I would encourage anybody, if you haven't been over to the villas of Titusville, Ride through that. We don't have any iron fences up They're and gorgeous. Blocking. Gorgeous. So yeah. you just think about what impact that's going to have on the surrounding community over there. Absolutely. What impact that once Southtown is redeveloped, what impact that's going to have, you know, in that area. That's and then right. you got to think, we got to do that six more times over the next 15 years because our oldest housing community, Smithfield, I think Smithfield was the first housing community in the country. Really? Created back in the 30s. Wow. Okay. Um, Southtown was developed over 70 years ago. Yeah. So a lot of this infrastructure, I mean, we just can't it's keep crumbling. putting band-aids yeah. on it. So we got to redevelop those. So we got to do Illerton. We got to do Smithfield. We got to do um, uh, Collegeville. Mm-hmm. You know, we got all of our communities have to be redeveloped. Right. But we can't continue to concentrate poverty and warehouse people. 
Yeah. So oftentimes we get a lot of flack because people say, well, can everybody come back? Everybody's not going to be able to come back because we got to reduce that density. But what we want to do is give people vouchers so that now they can go and rent their own house. Maybe they can rent a single family house with a yard in another community or in that same neighborhood, just not in the apartments. Now, I, I have to ask this. What are we doing when we send these uh, families into, you know, single family homes? You know, they may not take care of the grass and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there any type of education that's going on or that can go on? Yeah, sure. I mean, we have counselors, we have inspectors. I mean, we are investing what we call FSS, our family self-sufficiency. So yeah. we are investing in our people to make sure that, you know, of course they understand how to take care of a home. I think mm-hmm. most people know how to do that. But also workforce development, we help connect them to jobs. We have first-time home buyers programs where we're helping them to be able to buy their own home instead mm-hmm. of being a renter. So we make a lot of investments in our folks. We just got a $1.5 million grant for a youth bill that's going to be invested in our young that. people. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is which is huge for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Explain that. Yeah. About I mean, how they're they're training um the kids with jobs, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I mean, so it's a national program, it's right. not something that we created. Mm-hmm. But we're getting this funding from HUD, the you know, Department of Housing and Urban Development, to be able to launch a youth bill grant here. If you think about build up uh that uh, Dr. Mark Martin is doing, mm-hmm. something very similar uh to something like that. But that's gonna be huge for the young people that are in our community. But you think about all the companies out there that are struggling for talent right now to get yeah. people to come and work. Yeah. That's gonna benefit them as well. So when you asked me earlier, why should we care? You should care because this is part of our workforce to be able to help fund the small and medium-sized businesses that need a workforce. Yeah. You think about all the other people, some people we know. I know you had, you know, uh, Herbert on here and Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Think about the people who are in real estate that are owners of single-family homes. Right. That are then renting out. So there's a huge opportunity now. Keep in mind, we're going to increase the number of vouchers that we give people so they can go rent a home. We got to get people now to start developing apartment complexes or buying apartment complexes, renovating them, and then making those units available to people who are coming out of Smithfield, coming out of Southtown. So there's a huge opportunity there. And then just think about all the other procurement opportunities that we have. Somebody's got to do the plumbing on that. Somebody's got to do the electrical. Somebody's got to do demolition. Somebody's got to do roofing, paint. All these are entrepreneurial opportunities for people who are thinking proactively and intentionally about that. And so that's what I'm excited about is how do we get more of our people, particularly people who grew up right here in Birmingham, to help the citizens that we have here, but also benefit themselves as well. That's outstanding. Um, We often talk about um, desegregation. And how it impacted our communities, Mm -hmm. right? Before we had the doctor on the same block with the lawyer, with the teacher, with the preacher. So when you had someone in a less than, you know, that wasn't doing so well, you had all of this excellence around them, right? We got to do the same thing with these people coming out of the communities. Because if you concentrate that, poverty, mm-hmm. there's no positive impact. Right. But we used to concentrate excellence because there were only a few neighborhoods that we could actually go into. There you go. 
And then, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, that's when we first started moving to Bush Hills and College Hills and, you know, some of these neighborhoods. And so it was not uncommon to have a true mixed income community. But when our folks really started getting upwardly mobile and we didn't have the barriers on us around where we could live, mm-hmm. a lot of us fled those communities. So we talk a lot about white flight mm-hmm. in the 60s and the 70s. We don't talk a lot about the black middle class flight that happened in the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s that really decimated our community. So going back to how we started the conversation, I'm just trying to get black excellence, black, brown, or whatever, to come back into these same communities and yeah. reinvest in these communities. Outstanding, man. Yeah. You that dude, man. <laughs> you that dude. Now, before we go, real mm-hmm. quick, mm-hmm. we love love stories. Mm-hmm. How'd you meet? Man. I met my wife at a wedding. Oh, oh! it started off romantic. Yeah, yeah. I pulled up on her. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled up on her. Uh-huh. And uh, we, were, we were at a wedding. Uh, I was there for the bride. She was there for the groom. Uh, I was outside taking pictures with some of, my, some of my homeboys. You know, we had pretty much the prison pose when nobody smiling. Yeah. And then uh, one of her friends said, it's just like me, and they don't never smile when they take pictures. Uh-huh. And I looked at her, I was like, I take a picture. Uh, I take a picture. I'll smile if you take a picture with me. Oh, you got game, man! <laughs> Tic Tac Toe with a carving knife. I mean, <laughs> I got two last things. First of all, how did you become a Laker fan? Okay, story. Story. Uh, my three oldest siblings live in California. Okay, uh, in Compton. Okay, um, and in Torrance. And when I was 12, 13 years old, I went out there to visit them. Nineteen eighty-eight. And the Lakers were in the in the finals. They won the championship. Uh, my my siblings took me to the parade. We climbed up on the tree, watched the parade go by. It was a wrap after it that. It was a wrap. I a love wrap. it. That's a good story right there. Yeah. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, if you had to go backwards mm-hmm. and start over, because you're on a certain trajectory, right? Yeah. If you could just erase it all and do something completely different, what would it be? A uh, couple things. One, I'd be an actor. Oh wow! Okay, I'd be an actor, and two, I'd be a full-time real estate developer. I love it. Now, as we close, we got to do something that I completely forgot to do in the beginning. Thank God for Eric, because I get so wrapped up in conversations, (laughs) I can forget to do this or that. So we gonna close it off with a little this or that. What's your favorite charity? My favorite charity. I just rolled onto the board of the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. Yeah, so that's uh. I'm, I'm really focused on that. All right. Well, if you don't answer one of these questions, you got to um, make a $100 donation to the Civil Rights Institute. Okay. But they're easy. Let's start off with the easiest of them all, Alabama or Auburn? Rotate. Alabama State or Alabama A&M? Man, I'm going to roll with A&M. Okay. Legion or Stallions? Uh, stallions. Barons or Squadron? Squadron. Alabama Theater or Lyric Theater? Alabama Theater. Biggie or Tupac? Pop. Sloss Furnace. It's <laughs> 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 a whole story, but nah, 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 huh? Man, I just I don't feel me. like it today. <laughs> we can go there if you need to. Nah. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Vulcan Park. I'm a Kiwanian, so we, we really support uh, Vulcan. Okay. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? McWayne. Crossplex or Legion Field? 
Ooh. Ooh. Legion Field. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Protective is a real good product. I like it. Okay. Regions Park or Rickwood Field? Rickwood, that's it. That's in my neighborhood. Okay. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? My kids love Railroad Park, but I prefer Botanical Gardens. All right. And then one last one. Mm -hmm. Vacation time. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Why? I love just to commune with nature. I love being up high. I love just like sitting on on the deck like we go up to Gatlinburg and I like to get up early in the morning and just kind of meditate, have my cup of coffee and just chill. The beach is too much going on. Everybody's trying to rush to get their favorite spot on the sand. I, don't, I ain't really with that. But I like it, though. I like the water. Right. If I get up early enough. And finally, any shout-outs? Uh, Shouts-out to uh, my family, my, my wife and my two beautiful daughters, rising seventh and ninth graders. Yeah. Um, and then shout-out to the West Side, the best side. West Side is the best side. Amen to that. Well, um, what you got coming up? Any announcements? <clears throat> any Anything? Any breaking news? Uh, no, no breaking news. Uh, I don't have any hot takes. Uh, <laughs> no hot takes. The Lakers are trash right now, but I still love them. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to say in all of the things that you do, no news is good news. That's right. That's right. Mayor Wolfen tells me that all the time. Like, you don't hear nothing about the airport, do you? Like, no, nah. I was like, good. I don't want to hear nothing about the Say less. <laughs> I want to thank my friend. Dr. Anthony C. Hood for joining us. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63 and UrbanHam.com. God bless. Intravenous 205 is here to support all Birmingham businesses and entrepreneurs. If you would like your business featured on Intravenous, please give us a call at 205-202-1602. Or email us at intravenous205 at gmail.com.